Good everyone, this is Rita Join, and welcome to the Unbox Your Gear podcast, How to Turn a Passion into a Profession, episode number 124. Today is an interview from the Monetize Your Mission Summit that I did a couple of years ago. And you're going to hear this interview from Deborah Lynn Dad. Now, if you've never heard of Deborah Lynn Dad, here's why it's really important. I talk a lot about on this podcast how to take what you're good at and turn that into a full-time income, turn that into a full-time gig, turn that into becoming a freelancer, working in the corporate space, whatever it is, but to take what you're good at and just do it for a living. My guest that I'm going to be broadcasting in a couple of seconds is Deborah Lindad, who didn't just take and create her passion into a profession, she turned it into a cause. And her cause is toxic free living. And how her passion and her mission is getting people to become aware of toxic chemicals, how she is able to generate a profession and income from this, how, in Deborah's words, she made her business pay, the struggle between purpose and business and how to overcome it, how monetizing your mission gives you more impact and allows you to make a greater difference. I mean, it's chock block full of so much stuff. So if you want contribution, if you want to make an impact, if you want to generate revenue and income for yourself, if you want to do what you love, this interview has all of it in one plus standing up for a cause that speaks so sincerely and deeply to you. So here's the interview. Let me know your thoughts and enjoy. G'day everyone, welcome to Monetize Your Mission. I'm your host, Rita Joyan, founder of the Dream Job Blueprint and the Speaking Success System. And today, I've got a really special guest. All my guests are special, but today I've brought Deborah Lynn Dad. And what Deborah brings to the whole summit series is we've been talking quite heavily on finding your passion, finding what you're good at, and being able to monetize that so you can make a contribution to your family and beyond. What Deborah stands for is not only a passion, but a cause. She believes in a cause so deeply, so strongly, that affected her at a, pre, you know, at a younger age that she sought to really follow this through. And I'm going to talk to you more about what that cause is. But let me tell you a bit about what Deborah has done and how she started. She's been self-employed since the age of 16. 16, right? She's been self-employed for 16. She's been monetizing her mission for more than 30 years and basically has been able to be a leading consumer advocate of living a toxic-free lifestyle, a toxic-free life since 1984. She has published her first book, Toxic Chemicals and Consumer Products and Safer Alternatives. Since then, she's seven, published seven more books and has the largest website on toxic-free living with hundreds of links and thousands of safer alternative products. She runs toxic-free radio with over 400 interviews with experts. She runs toxic-free Q&A. She has toxic-free kitchen recipes of how to put together organic whole foods that are toxic-free and this is the crux of it, guys. When your passion becomes a cause and you know how to sustain that as a business, that's where it truly becomes a real mission, just like Deborah has. So, Deborah, welcome to Monetize Your Mission. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It, it's an absolute pleasure. And I want to just 
get straight to the questions with you because I've got a lot to cover and uh, it's such a lot to Yes, I know. And I, and I want to give you that space to, to be able to communicate that. Before I get to toxic free chemicals and that's the cause in which you speak on and which you deliver, that's your passion. How did the journey begin, please? Tell me the story of why toxic, why are you so passionate about talking to people about toxic free chemicals? I got really sick when I was 24 and it, I was disabled. I was so sick and it was a, a variety of different kinds of symptoms. So it wasn't anything that looked like any illness I could identify. Mm -hmm. I would um, get headaches and I was tired, depressed, couldn't sleep at night. Uh, just all, just a whole collection of symptoms. I would, I would faint when I took a shower. Now, what kind of illness makes you faint when you take a shower? And, uh, and so it just, there was a series of coincidences. Actually, my, my mother was dying of cancer at the time. My father had taken her to a doctor who knew exactly what was going on with me because he was treating other people for what at the time was called environmental illness and is now called multiple chemical sensitivities. It's actually an immune system damage. The toxic chemicals you've been exposed to have damaged your immune system, and then you become very sensitive to all kinds of toxic chemicals, and your body has all kinds of bizarre symptoms that seem to be unrelated. Mm. And it, you know, it's like you would never, unless somebody had told you about this, you would never think that, uh, that toxic chemicals are even in your home to begin with. You think that something like cleaning products or pesticides, they have a little warning label on them. But what about things like, well, perfume that you're wearing or uh, your carpets or your bed or all kinds of everything in your house? If you don't know that there are toxic chemicals and you remove and you take the steps to remove them, everything in your house is probably toxic. There's no warning labels on it. Nobody talks about this. And especially back in 1978, I, nobody was talking about it at all. There were no books, there were no organizations. It wasn't on Dr. Oz. You know, it just, it was, it was silent. It was wow. totally silent. So when I found out that these toxic chemicals were making me sick, I said, well, what toxic chemicals? How, what am I going to do? And it was just logical for me that I would um, just go start researching it. And where are the to what are the toxic chemicals? What are the health effects? Where are they in the products? And it was really difficult to find even a cotton sheet then. There were no clothes that weren't polyester except for t-shirts and jeans. And there were no natural food stores, nothing, nothing. All the things that we see that are natural and organic, there was none of that in 1978. Wow. And so I decided, I started getting well. I started removing these toxic chemicals I was finding. I started getting well. And I said, you know, if somebody had told me this, if somebody had told me this, I wouldn't have had to be sick. And it was that thought that made me say, I have to tell everybody because I don't want anybody to suffer needlessly just because they don't know. That's incredible. Yeah, and so now I've just been doing it all my life. But I, <laughs> um, it, it's a fascinating field for me because – Sometimes people ask me, why don't you just go get a degree in toxicology? Because I'm not a toxicologist. I'm a consumer advocate. I'm not interested in toxic chemicals. I'm interested in what's not toxic. I'm interested in how can I have a home that's comfortable and happy and healthy. 
And in order to get that answer, to have that result, I have to study toxic chemicals. But a toxicologist is interested in toxic chemicals. Mm. That's what they do. That's incredible. So you, you had your own illness that led you to think, why am I being sick? Because you couldn't get an answer from doctors. Right. They don't know that they don't know the toxic chemicals yeah. cause. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's not their fault. They, exactly. They don't know. So what made you think, okay, so what's in my environment? How, what put that light bulb thought in your mind to think what could be in my environment that could be causing? And this is 1978. We're talking about. Yeah, well, it, was, it was this doctor that my father had taken my mother to okay. and he knew about it and he was treating people who were being made ill by toxic chemicals. And he said, he looked at them and he said, this is what's wrong with my daughter. And he brought me in and, and it was exactly the right thing. It was just mm -hmm. serendipitous. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible that someone <laughs> has insight to, to see that. Yeah. I don't know. He just knew. He just looked at them. And, because I was having symptoms like, here's one, um, and I love telling this story. There was one night when I play the piano. I'm a classical pianist. And my mother had just died. And I had reason to be sad and cry. But I was playing the piano and I was playing this slow, beautiful music on the piano. And I just started crying and I couldn't stop crying and I couldn't stop crying and I couldn't stop crying. And I knew it wasn't because I was sad. I just couldn't stop crying. And my father, by this time, had known that if you're having a chemical reaction, you can take an Alka-Seltzer in the gold package and it'll stop your chemical reaction. And so he... Um, he put an Alka-Seltzer in a glass and he came over and he, um, he asked me to drink it. And I got up and I took the glass out of his hand and I threw it against the wall and I said, I am not going to drink this. And, and he actually wrestled me to the floor, held my nose and poured it down my throat. And, <laughs> and within 30 seconds, it was like, where am I? It was like, what just happened? And I went from being like, <laughs> you know, in, like in this other toxic world to having the reaction stop and being my normal self. And that really scared me. It was like, look at what these toxic chemicals were doing to me. And, and so I, isn't that a dramatic story? <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. It is. It, it is. And so that was, um, that was like the proof of the pudding for me. And after that, I just started looking around and saying, okay, what are these toxic chemicals? Because I, I can't be like this. Oh my goodness. So, so you realize point blank, there is a problem with toxic chemicals and that's the cause yeah. of all the havoc that's going on emotionally that's happened that had that took but also physically i mean another thing that happened once i started studying this was that um i had horrible insomnia i mean i would just lie in bed all night and not sleep and then i would get up in the morning and i hadn't slept and maybe i'd had like two hours of sleep or something wow. and this really really horrible problem and um so as i was studying i would go to medical libraries and poison control centers and and nobody had done the research i was doing nobody had done it because there was like this field of toxicology which barely existed in 1978 and so you could look up in a book like if you had the idea well let's find out about formaldehyde you could look up the health effects of formaldehyde in a book over here but it didn't say where the formaldehyde was. 
And so then I would have to look at technical manuals from manufacturing to find out, well, what are the chemicals being used in products? And one day, I found in one book that a symptom of formaldehyde exposure was um, insomnia. And in another book, I found that formaldehyde was on the permanent press finish on bed sheets. Wow. And I went, oh my God. I, I said, this is why I'm not sleeping. This is why I'm not sleeping. And I went home and I ripped those sheets off the bed and, and I tried to find a cotton sheet and there was only one brand of cotton sheets. It was really hard to find. And, but I got those sheets, I put them on my bed and I slept, I slept, I slept. So you tell them you changed your sheets. Oh my I changed goodness. my sheets and I slept. And, and so now this is, I want to say this very clearly because this is part of my logic about how I came to do my work. How many people are taking sleeping pills? Yes, yes. <laughs> they all need to change their sheets. And that's all they need to do. Oh my, this is just like crazy, crazy. Because yes, yeah. I, I personally know so many people who have insomnia. And you're yeah. saying there's a chemical in the press there that prevents, that there's a toxic there that prevents yes. you going into that slumber state. Yes, yes, exactly. That is... And it was just on the very first night I slept and I didn't have insomnia again. I mean, it was just, I, I was being poisoned by that formaldehyde. I mean, it's just like the formaldehyde comes up off the sheets and you're just sleeping in this cloud of formaldehyde. And people buy these new pretty sheets and they um, put them on their bed and they don't wash them. And, and this is just so much formaldehyde. It's just coming right off those sheets. Oh my goodness. That's just mind blowing. So you found this incredible. You found the cause of, of why you're not sleeping at night. What caused the physical and emotional strife that was happening. And then you decide, okay, I've got to go and tell this because there's no one else doing this. There's, there really was nobody else doing it. And, and here's, I, I piled up my books here. This is my first book wow. that I ever wrote. And look, it's just Xeroxes and it's stapled together with a piece of tape on the binding. Wow. And this was my first book that I wrote on the subject. And then I, um, and my boyfriend at the time, um, there's a company called Bon Ami that makes the scouring powder. Mm -hmm. They were running a campaign that says, tell us what you like about Bon Ami. And so he wrote to Bon Ami and says, my girlfriend just wrote this book. And, and they called me up and they said, we wanna send you on tour. <laughs> and so, so they sent me on tour with this little book, this Xerox, it's not even a book. And they sent me on tour and, and they sent me to, um, to one of the top PR agencies in the country to get trained. And they just sat me in a chair and um, put on a video camera and everybody in the building came in and interviewed me all day long. And, and then they sent me on to the tour and the first city was Washington, D.C., and the, um, the, the host picked up the can and says, I love Bon Ami. My grandmother used to use it. And as I'm walking off the set after the interview, the phone is ringing and it's Bon Ami booking me for another tour. Wow. So, you know, it's just, you just start doing it and things just open up. So you wrote a book and that's what really opened the doors and your husband approached someone, a company. Saying, my boyfriend. Yes. I didn't know my husband yet. Sorry, sorry. Your, your boyfriend approached 
the company to allow you to now make make you known that you've written this consumer book, and that's what allowed the first. I don't have that first book. <laughs> I thought I had all of them. I have it on my shelf, but I don't have it sitting here. I was going to show you the first that's, published. Book. That's okay, but that's what really triggered the full effect of monetization in the first instance. Was that? That's right. That was the first thing. Was I knew that I needed to um, to tell people, and so I just wrote the book because I wanted to write the book. I didn't know how I was going to market it. I didn't know anything about business. I had been giving piano lessons. You know, that's not a big business deal. You know, mm. even though I was self-employed, it wasn't about running a business. And and so I I got this book and. There's a paper in San Francisco called The Bay Guardian, which is actually a big paper in San Francisco. And they put me on the cover. And just with this little book, with this little self-published book, they put me on the cover. And, and then I went on tour, and, and it just started opening up. I, I started publishing a newsletter. Um, I was on national television, and in those days, there was no internet. And so if you want people to contact you, they would say, send the self-addressed stamped envelope to this address. And two days later, the postman is bringing me bags of mail. Wow. It took me two months to open all the envelopes. And were people asking you questions? Were they asking for help? No, they wanted information on my newsletter. Oh, that's self-addressed stamped envelope to get information about my newsletter. Even better, even better. So once you did the tour, how else did you go about, because now that you know that it's building momentum, people know that toxic chemicals is a real subject that they want to know about. What were the next steps that you took to really pursue this cause and really monetize it even further? Well, the big thing for me in the beginning was I did three things. I uh, I had my books, so I was selling my books. Mm -hmm. I did my newsletter, and at that time, um, people paid for newsletters because you had to print them and send them. Yeah. And so you get subscribers and you get advertisers. Yeah. And then there's also consulting. And consulting is actually a big thing because you can charge a good fee for consulting. Mm -hmm. And and people, if you if people think that you are the expert in the field and they want to know an answer, they'll pay you to get that answer. And so just doing those things, and I also, there were not very many other books in the field, but they started coming out after mine. And so at one point, I probably had like a dozen books that I was selling, and I had one little part-time assistant who did my order fulfillment, and the rest of it was me. And... And it, you really can make money doing this. I mean, I've, I've, been, I've been doing it for 30 years, and it's pretty much been my sole source of income. That's incredible. Did you, Deborah, come across, because you, you were the pioneer, really, printing a book, researching this, getting it out there, getting consumer awareness around chem toxic chemicals. Did you get any backlash from... People who are thinking, who do you think you are? Why are you? Because you're leading a cause here, which is a lot more heavy duty. I, I got backlash once. Oh, once. wow. From the New York Times. They wrote a scathing article about me that just totally cut me to pieces. But it had no effect on me at all. It had no effect on my business. It, had, it kind of bruised me. But, you know, they sent a reporter and came to my house. She couldn't find anything wrong, so she made up lies. And she kind of, kind of twisted things that oh. were not lies to make them sound bad. Oh, how disappointing. 
<laughs> yeah, I was very disappointed because I thought, oh, here's, here's the New York Times. Exactly. <laughs> this is big coverage. It's going to change everything. But it actually didn't change anything in terms of expanding my business. That's and then, you know, the next day there was another story and that was it. And it, it, it was just like a, a little cloud passed by. Wow. But mostly people have been really, really helpful, especially in the beginning when nobody else was talking about this. Now there's so many organizations that are doing things and it's in the news and, and, but people are really sensational about it. And I, that's what I don't like. I don't like people to, to kind of give an angle on stories to make it sound like it's worse than it is and and that, that it's alarming it's alarming enough without saying that and, and without taking that direction and i just want to give people the facts and and tell them this is toxic it's hurting your body and um and there's something you can do about it that's in, that's amazing that you've kept to that and i think the testament i think god was giving you a sign really that's <laughs> was to lead you to be the advocate. I think my biggest blessing I've yeah. ever had was getting yeah. sick from toxic yeah. chemicals because it allowed me to be, I don't know how I look on this video, but awesome. how, how old I am. How old do you think I am? Oh, come on, Timber. That's my first <laughs> ask me on a live interview. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you. I'm 60 years old. Yeah. Can you believe it? No. 60 but this is what a life with no toxic chemicals looks like. I'm, I'm going to start marketing this. Yes. <laughs> the second brand of business, yes. Anti-aging. I mean, this is an anti-aging formula, is that I don't have toxic chemicals in my body. I'm, I'm not being exposed to them. I mean, I'm exposed when I go outside, but I spend most of my time in my house. I have my office in my home. I do things to detox my body, to remove toxic chemicals from my body. And, and you just stay healthier and younger That's when you're not being exposed to toxic chemicals. And each book, because I know you've written seven published, there's seven published books now. Yes, here's some books. <laughs> and each one talks, I can, that's incredible. And it's all on the topic of how to, how to live a toxic-free life. And here's the most recent one. Toxic-free, toxic-free living, exactly. Yeah. So now that you found your cause, you found your, your mission to help other people mm -hmm. really be able to live toxic-free and to come out of those little, like, headaches and insomnia, those things that we go get a pop-up pill for, it's actually... But it's not just that. Let me just say something about this because there's a lot of people who are just taking all these over-the-counter drugs. Yes. and. If they're not taking over the counter their drugs, they're going to the natural food store and getting natural remedies. Mm -hmm. But all of these things are um, something that you're doing to try to make up for the fact that you're doing something wrong in the first place. And if you just eliminate the toxic chemicals, you don't have to go buy any of that because you have no symptoms. You have no headaches. I, one, one of my symptoms was that I had really bad headaches, but it was my perfume. When I stopped wearing perfume that very day, my headache went away. Wow. Yeah, so I mean, on this last book that I wrote, Toxic Free, I researched everything anew. And I was able to put together studies, scientific studies, which show correlation between every single symptom and illness is now associated with toxic chemical exposure. 
And where could someone find something like that? Where would that be located, that information? That information is actually not available yet. Okay. But I'm working, I'm working okay. on a database that is going to be coming out that will have that information and you can oh. look up your symptom and it'll tell you the toxic chemicals. But I, it's, it doesn't exist yet until I make it. Okay, well, we're, we're, I'm, I'm hanging but on. I, I got all the data. The thing is that I looked up all the data so that in my book I could make that statement. Okay. And that I knew that it was true. And, and so I really think that if people would remove the toxic chemicals from their lives, that the amount of, I mean, talk about healthcare costs, we're making mm -hmm. ourselves sick with toxic chemicals. That's why we have high healthcare costs yes. because we're, we're not, there's, there's a difference between just, I'll use this word, abusing your body mm -hmm. and then going to the doctor to get a pill versus taking care of your body and having your body be healthy and then you don't need the pills. Okay, because, and, and that's interesting, you, you mentioned healthcare, because that's who I was referring to before, there's no backlash from healthcare insurance companies or anyone saying, you know, apart from the New York Times, no one else has come back and tried to squander your efforts? No. That's, that's <laughs> no, and you would think that maybe they would, except that I, um, I have science to back up what I'm saying. Mm. If I'm not making this up and I'm not being sensational, I'm mm. just being very factual. Yes. And each one of your books is based on the research that you've done, is that, and that's how you've right. really been able to generate the books. Right. And, and they have bibliographies, and you can go look up yep. my sources. Excellent. Excellent. So yeah. tell me, and I, this is really fascinating because it came out as a cause created into a passion. It's your mission to go and educate the world about what's the, world, yeah. the real pains in their lives. Tell me, how have you, and I want to talk about the seven steps in which you've monetized your efforts and how you've been doing this for 30 years and being able to sustain yourself financially with it. You talk about the first step of monetizing your mission. You talk about, and I love this because we had a conversation about this briefly uh, in the past, the struggle between purpose and business. I'm so glad you asked that because I really want to talk about that. And this is something that I only just saw recently, like last week. And I have, I'm, I'm a creative person and I have my mission and that's what I want to do. I don't want to be doing all that business stuff. I don't want to market. I don't want to um, do my bookkeeping. I don't want to do any of that. I just want to do my mission. Yes. And so I always felt like there's my mission and then there's that other stuff. And, and I resisted doing it and I didn't do it well and I didn't want to learn how to do it. And my big realization was that without all that other stuff, yeah. I don't have money to do my mission. Yes. <laughs> and it really goes hand in hand mm -hmm. that they belong together, that the, the purpose, the mission defines the business. It's mm -hmm. like, for example, in my business, I only use non-toxic things. Right. If I were to like give away a free goodie bag or something, it would all have non-toxic things in it. You see, it all aligns. Yes. And when, when I'm at home or when I go out in public, I'm always wearing toxic-free clothes and natural makeup and, and all those things. And so if you look at me and my business, it's the embodiment of what I say. Uh -huh. And... But in order to do that, so, so the, the mission defines the business, but then the business supports 
your ability to do the mission. Mm-hmm. And so you need to know your mission. You need to know what you're expert in. And you also need to know how to run a business. That doesn't mean that you have to do every part of the business, but you have to be at the helm of your business. You have to know that what you're doing for your mission is producing the money that's going to support you to be able to make your dreams come true. Yes. yes. And, and I was never willing to learn that, but I'm learning that now. I'm learning that now. <laughs> yes, and, and I'm so happy you, you're saying that because people too try and divorce the mission with the business. But in order for both to exist, they have to cross-pollinate and become one. They do, and there's actually a term you can look up on Google. Just type in purpose-driven um, business, purpose-driven business. And, and you'll come up with all kinds of articles about how it's best to do your purpose in your business. It's a particularly kind of business. It's got its own model. Yeah, and, and exactly true, which is what the whole series this summit is about, is people who have a mission behind the monetization. Because everybody right. needs to earn an income and be self-sufficient. But what right. I- and you know what's the worst thing in the world is to have a mission and have to do something else to earn money and there have been times in my life when I said okay I just have to give up I can't make this make money I'm gonna go work at McDonald's yeah and um and then after a couple days of that I go nope I have to make (laughs) this work and then and then I it got to be like this joke I would say oh I don't I'm not making enough money I have to go work someplace else And I would go do, you know, I, I worked at the Sharper Image. I worked, at, I, I had all these little jobs until I finally said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm mm. going to make my business pay. Mm. And it's that decision, making a decision that says, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And if I run out of money, I run out of money and I'll figure out what to do. But I'm going to do my business and it's going to support me. That, and I love that because once that decision was made, you let go of sec- whatever was holding you back. You closed the door of the escape room. Yeah. Basically, yeah. what you did and you were now committed. Yeah. Which brings me to my next point. And we were speaking just prior to this interview and you were telling me that opportunities come for whatever mission or passion you have. How do yes. you get exp- exposure? How do you get known for what you do? Well, before I tell you how to get known, I, I want to say that we get what we put our attention on. Mm. And if we put our attention on something that we want to create the way we want our business to be, then something will just kind of magically happen. If we say, oh, I can't do this. I don't have enough money, blah, blah, blah. That's what you're going to have. You'll just create that. Um, I, I want to say that the most lucrative things that I've ever done all came to me. They weren't anything that I could have said, okay, I'm going to go promote for this. They just happened. And, um, but it was because I was visible. And I'll give you um, an example. At one point, I was part of the founding of a corporation. And that corporation went on to this wasn't the original thing we were going to do, but that corporation went on to develop products and they got, in fact, the first green products, eco-friendly kind of products into Walmart. And they, Walmart still sells their products. I'm not involved in the company anymore, but, um, but I was instrumental in getting those first products developed that went into Walmart. And, 
And the way they got me was that I was doing a radio show and the original founder, he had already gotten a partner and the founder was driving down the street listening to the radio and I came on and I started talking and he said, I practically ran off the road when you started talking. And, and so he pulled over, he pulled out his cell phone, which was new in those days. He called his partner. He says, you have, who is this woman? You have to find this woman. Call the radio station. Who is she? Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And then I became a partner in this corporation that was like one of the first corporations that did green products on a mass market scale. That's incredible. And, yeah. And so also I had a job once writing um, mail order copy and for non-toxic products. And again, it was a very early thing, but somebody had seen my writing, had read my book, and he said, I like the way you write, I like your understanding, would you come write my, the copy for my mail order catalog? And that pays pretty well. And so a lot of times it's things that I can do, it's aligned with my purpose, but I haven't thought of them. And somebody asks me to do something. And I love that, and you put it down to visibility, just being visible. You, the, the world needs to know, I mean, and in fact, today, I actually had to laugh that this was happening today because I'm doing this interview. Today, I got a phone call from someone, Now I really can't say anything about this, but um, there's a new business, and it, so it's not happening now, it's something for the future, but he asked me if I would be part of the development of that, and it's absolutely aligned with what I do. Beautiful. It could turn out to be a really big thing, and and he let's see he first met me like 20 years ago but when the time came he said i need to call deborah because i'm out there in the world people know that if they want to someone to do something about toxic chemicals and consumer products i'm the one that knows i'm the one nobody else does i mean i'm not the only person in the world that um, is working on toxic issues, but I'm the only one that is is investigating how com- consumer products are toxic, and I can understand then how to choose a product that isn't toxic, and that's wow. like the most important thing on the planet right now. Yeah. How are we not going to poison ourselves? Well, everything's the craze: organic this, organic that, eat this, right. don't eat that. It's based on well, what else is in your environment that's causing. The toxicity in your right. home. Right. I, I love that. Be visible. Just get out there and opportunity. Just be visible. Do whatever, do whatever you can. I mean, one of the things that I do is that I make little business cards that just has the name of my website on it. It has the, the URL of where to go to my website and one line about what it's about. And I just pass them out to people. And you know, I, I meet a lot of people and I just pass them out. And they go and say, Steve, I've never heard of this before. And, and then they want to find out more. And you know, there was a woman who wrote to me just a couple of days ago, and I thought of this interview when I got that. And she said, I really want to tell people about what's toxic and help them like you do in my local community. She says, I don't know where to start. And I wrote back and I said, start you start she was looking for other people like where's the group to join that that is addressing toxic issue in her in her community well there isn't one there isn't one i'll tell you there aren't any anywhere and and so she um i just said start just go to the library and book a room it's free and just go promote the fact that you're just going to give a talk and stand up there and tell people about toxics 
Oh, I love and, it. And that's what you do. And then you give another one. And then you tell the newspaper. And then you call up the radio station. And then you go beyond the evening news. And I love that. And, and it's, it's really, this is what I'm hearing from you. You just uh, don't wait for someone to tell you what. No. You start with whatever you know. And start with whatever you know, and you don't have yeah. to know everything. I mean, I just knew what I knew. Yeah. I know a lot more now. And there's a lot of, and you don't even need to be an expert. You could, for example, you could decide that you just want to go give a talk about toxics and say, well, I'm not an expert, but here's what Deborah says. <laughs> you can hold up my book and read out of the book and you're informing the public. Exactly, exactly. What keeps you, you know, Deborah, one of the things that I see a lot of people do is they find a cause, they find a passion, but the hardest part is sticking to it because yeah. what, has, what would your advice be to just stick to see it through? For me... My conscience won't let me stop. And there are times that I'd like to do something else. There, I, I have a lot of interests. But if I, I say, all right, now what if I stop doing my work? And, well, the whole planet would just collapse because everything would be toxic. There has, there's such a, a push of toxics into the world that if somebody's not pushing back, toxics will just take over. Wow. And, and I need to push back. I can't allow people to be sick. Mm. Like I was sick. I can't allow that to happen. And so I can't, I mean, I'm 60 years old. I'm not going to be here forever, but I'm looking at now, how am I going to set up something so that everything I know, all my knowledge goes on into the future. Wow. That there has to be a foundation or something so that, so that, it's what I'm doing still continues. I have to start training people or something because I see this as the number one health problem that exists. That's beautiful. That's passion. It is. That's it is. That's and I, I feel like there's nothing can stop me no matter how much I might want to go do something else. And as I get older, I'm actually getting more streamlined. I'm saying, no, I'm not going to go sing in the choir. No, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go on this vacation or whatever. It's not that I'm just sitting here doing nothing except toxics in front of my computer. But it's the thing that I feel, it's like I'll go off and do something and I go, oh, I have to come back and do this because I'm interested. Hmm. I'm interested in the toxic-free life. I want to be able to live without toxics. And it's not just about, you know, when I first started, I thought, well, I'll just make my house non-toxic and that's it. But then you just have to stay in your house. And one day I walked out my door and I said, wait a minute, it's really toxic out here. There's car exhaust and pesticide spraying and all these things. And now my goal is I need to remove the toxic chemicals from the world mm. so that everybody everywhere can be healthy and happy. Yeah. And what a contribution. What a huge contribution that Thank is. Thank you. That's not why I'm doing it. I'm just doing it because, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about minor symptoms that people have, like headaches and things like that. But toxic chemicals cause cancer. Toxic chemicals cause, I was just on another summit about a month ago that was for um, couples who were 
having difficulty getting pregnant. And I talked about how toxic chemicals actually, well, it causes, they cause infertility, but um, they will actually harm your baby before the baby is even conceived and cause birth defects. But some of the effects, it, it changes DNA, and some of the effects don't even show up in children until later. It causes diabetes, toxic chemicals. I mean, all these things that are the mega diseases of the day are all caused by toxic chemicals. And that's incredible. You mentioned diabetes. I recall our conversation last time is that you said to me, oh, I was talking to you about the, um, the docu documentary that's uh, about exposing the truth about cancer. Yeah. And you said to me, I'll tell you what the reason for cancer is in one sentence and how to cure it. And yeah. Can you share that, please? Um, it's sugar. Mm. It's the thing, and this is well documented, and I know people who have cancer and they're reducing their cancer by doing this, is that um, sugar, any kind of carb, because any carb, any starch or sugar, will um, turn into glucose in your body, mm -hmm. and that's what feeds the cancer cell. And if you take away the glucose, the cancer just dies. I'm just know, speechless. Funny. It's spe I'm just speechless. I just <laughs> yeah. Sugar. If you stop sugar, drew back on sugar, that's going to eliminate the toxins in your body that create cancer. No, if you eliminate, if you eliminate sugar, then your blood sugar, then the, the sugar ah, isn't in your blood. Okay. Okay. See? And and your the cancer cells are looking for sugar to eat. Mm, okay. And if there's no sugar in your blood, if you're eating protein, if you're eating fat, you know, horrible um. fat we're not supposed to eat. If you are eating fat and if you're eating protein, then your blood sugar levels come down and the cancer cells starve. Right. That's just so. Like all the people and that I, I, I want to say something here, and it, this, I'm not, I'm only just saying this as a fact. I'm not mm -hmm. implying anything by saying this. But on one hand, we mm -hmm. have industrial food, processed food that's yeah. full of sugar, and it's potato chips and carbs, 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 carbs. Uh, and, and then on the other hand, we have big, what are we going to do to solve cancer? Mm -hmm. Well, all you need to do is just eat normal food yeah. you know nothing industrial eat organic whole foods wow. eat salad eat chickens eat eggs eat butter but what about your take on these chickens that are being injected what about that kind of you know they're pumped up with hormones and pumped you need up to not eat those chickens you yeah. need to eat organic chickens organic chickens okay yeah organic everything organic everything this is incredible and i want to just go back to one thing that we were talking about before and that we were saying that the way that you've monetized is you've defined the difference between your purpose and your business and it has to mesh together. Mm -hmm. If we could go to something, uh, and we've talked about being visible, what do you mean, um, talk a bit about when you must say monetize your mission, what do you mean by communicate? Everything rests actually on communication. When you, um, and, and I, I say this in my giveaway, and I wanted to make a big deal out of this because a lot of people don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to 
have a conversation with another person. Like I'm communicating right now to you and, and through you to the listeners. Mm-hmm. If you can't get up at a meeting and introduce yourself and say what you do in a way that communicates, you're going to have a problem having a business. Mm. You have customers you have to communicate with. There's going to be problems. You need to know how to problem solve. You need to be able to communicate what your product's about. You need to have a label on a product. You need to have a website. You need to communicate through your blog. And, but all of those things, even though they look like different things, they're all just communication, basic communications. And so, so I, I really think that to be successful in business, you have to have basic communication skills. Beautiful. And what about be unique? That is, people really like people who are unique. And mm-hmm. each one of us are unique. Every snowflake is unique. And each of us, we all have, you know, unique fingerprints, but we're just unique as human beings. And nobody can do things the way you can do it. And you have something special. Each person has something special. And so what stands out in a crowd is uniqueness. Mm. It's like if you were to go to a store and all the packages are brown and yours is red, people are just going to grab the red one. Mm. That's just the, the nature of the universe is that uniqueness stands out. So don't be afraid to be yourself. Whatever it is, even if nobody else is doing what you want to do, do it. Especially do it if nobody else is doing because then you've got your niche all to yourself. <laughs> like you had. Yes. <laughs> I love that. And then your other, uh, your other step for monetization is to be self-determined. Now, that's very important because there's so much pressure on us in the world today to be a follower instead of a leader, you know, that you're supposed to buy what advertising tells you to buy. You're supposed to do what the newspaper tells you to do. You've got people all around you saying, if you're a good daughter or a good wife, this is what you need to do, or a good mother, whatever it is. And yet, the best thing that you can do is listen to yourself and do what you think is right. And so, so you're always needing to take your mission. And a lot of times I think missions are um, ideas people have to make the world a better place. And so you've got all this pressure of the world the way it is, and you need to like get through that. Yeah. And that's by doing it with your own power. It's being able to stand on your own two feet and you decide what is the right thing to do. You can get information from every place, but you need to decide what's right for you and what's right for your business. And the more you can think for yourself and do for yourself, the more successful you'll be in business. I love that. I love that. And then get trained in business. That is so important. Um, I know I wish that I had done that when I was 20. Mm. And, you know, I was always like picking up ideas about things that I could do in my business, but to really learn how to run a business is a whole different skill than your mission. Mm. Well, for example, you know, like, like, let's say that your mission is to be a a writer like me. Okay. Mm. So I used to think that I was a writer because I wrote, but I actually finally figured out that I'm not a writer. I write, but that's not what I do. You know, but let's say that somebody's passion is to to be a writer, then you still have the business part of it. And if you don't know what you're doing, if you don't know um, how to mm, 
figure out your profit and loss, if you don't know how to make a label, if you don't know anything about marketing, you're not going to get your, your product out into the world. You're not going to get your passion out into the world. Yes. And so, so I'm actually catching up now and like doing intensive study on being a really excellent business person. Mm, yes. And, and that way you have control over your business. And, and so it's to have these two things that balance is your mission and your business and they take care of each other. I love that. I love that. And then yeah. the last one is save 10% of every dollar you make. There is a great book that I'll just say everybody who's doing business should read this book. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Yes. I don't know if you know that book. Yes, yes. But if, if you just do what The Richest Man in Babylon says, you'll be rich. <laughs> so, and one of the things it says is to save 10% of everything that you make. Mm. And I actually started doing that when I was about 20. And, and I saved up $100, which was a lot of money then when I was 20. And, and I thought, well, now what do I do with it? And I couldn't figure out how to invest it or, you know, what was the next step here. And, and so I spent it. And then I stopped saving 10% because I didn't know, like, what was the value of that? Or, you know, I, I hadn't read The Richest Man in Babylon. And, and, and I just didn't do that. I mean, can you imagine how much money I would have if I had been saving 10% since I was 20? Yeah. I mean, like, I just, <laughs> you can be sure I'm saving 10% now, <laughs> but that's just, that's just something that everybody should do. And no matter how tough it gets and you, you think I need that $10 because I don't yeah. have enough money. If you save it, more money will come in. Oh, I love that. I love that. And that was Deborah's tips for seven ways of monetizing your mission. And thank you. But before you mentioned that uh, you had a free gift, a free gift that you wanted to share. Could you please talk a bit about that? Well, I have an ebook for you that I made just for your summit. Oh, thank you. Thank you You're so much. You're welcome. And it was actually a gift to me as well because writing all these things down to um, tell people, I just really sat down and said, what are the most important things about business that I can say? And, um, and so my little book is called Seven Ways to Win When You monetize your mission. Oh, beautiful. It's but what I'm also going to give people when they, um, when they opt in and, and get the link for this book is that I'm going to also put in the links to other um, free giveaways that I've given away at other summits. Beautiful. Thank you. So, um, yes. Yeah, because I want people to see, you know, what somebody, somebody who's watching now might be asked to be a guest on a summit. And so you can see what I've put together and you can learn from those other books more about what I do. I also have um, on the page that you go to, I have a couple of the products. This is a whole different thing is that one way to monetize your mission is to sell products that are related mm -hmm. to what you do. Mm -hmm. And so I have, and now we have affiliate programs. You could go to Amazon and sell anything on Amazon that relates to your mission and be an Amazon affiliate. Mm -hmm. So I have two products on my page um, where you, you pick up your, your free giveaway um, that are products that I sell as an affiliate. And so I get commissions when I sell those products. I just thought that I would put those on there so that you can get that mm -hmm. idea. Well, thank you so much because that's going to really help, especially those who are interested in toxic-free living and how they yeah. can learn more, those who are suffering from insomnia. And who knew? Go get cotton sheets that are not pressed. 
that will help insomnia and cut sugar to eliminate cancer. This is all just incredible stuff that you've researched and investigated for the past 30 years. And they're available for, through the links that you're providing as well as the free gift. And thank you so much for doing that, especially for this particular summit. I really appreciate that. Um, you're welcome. Guys, they, those links are going to be in the email that's sent out to you as well as next to this interview, there is a link. Click on that and you'll be directed to Deborah's free gift. So on that note, Deborah, I'm gonna, I, I could talk to you for a lot longer. We've got a short space of time, but I want to thank you so sincerely for making the time to meet and to share the knowledge and the cause that you, you're after in this world, the mission that you're speaking to, and how you've actually taken that and how business and money is not a dirty word, but actually supports the mission that it you're does. on. It does. And, you know, I think that a lot of times doing good um, ends up being a nonprofit, like you're not supposed to make money from doing good, yes. but that's changing. And, and I really, I mean, I, I, money is, I'm not interested in having a pile of money in the bank that doesn't do anything for me, but I want money so that I can continue to bring my message to the world in bigger and more expanded ways. Yes. And, and I think that anyone who's doing good in the world needs to have that financial backup. Back up. And if you get it from your business and not from a grant or a loan or a gift, but you make it yourself, it's your money and you can say and do anything you want to do. Exactly. And, and like anything else, you're not being told by others who are supporting you what to do with that money and how to engage with it within your business. And I think that's really important because right. it, it can deter you from your mission and your cause. That's right. Yeah. Love I get it. to totally determine, self-determine yeah. my own business, my own life. Love it. Love and it. And do what's it. right for me. Excellent, excellent. Thank you so much, Deborah. Really appreciate your time and sharing your, your knowledge and your generous gift with us. And folks, thank you for watching and I'll catch you real soon on the next episode of Monetize Your Mission. Speak soon.